Hello, hello, movie lovers. Welcome back to probably our last episode for 2019 of Movies with Kane and Tal. It's been a great few months making movie episodes, movie podcasts for you guys. We have so enjoyed the journey. Um, We will be back in 2019 with more. We are doing a countdown at the moment of the 50 greatest films of all time. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It doesn't matter if it's not Apple, you can subscribe on CastBox or Spotify or wherever you are so you don't miss any of those. They're kind of being described as pub-style trivia so I give a few clues in the beginning to see if you can guess what the film is before I reveal it. So that's a bit of fun. That'll be happening over the next uh, few weeks and all the way through the holidays. Uh, we really enjoyed making this episode today. Hope you enjoy it. And we will return with our regular um, episodes from the beginning of next year, uh, second week of January. I hope everyone has a really wonderful holiday a break if you're getting one thanks again to everybody who listens to us we do appreciate it so much and hope you enjoy today's episode told you we weren't done with steven soderbergh this year yeah you were right <laughs> you were right <laughs> i mean you're always right but no no <laughs> <laughs> not, not that good but yeah we're doing more steven soderbergh with the laundromat and we're going to pair that with well midsummer because well, that is two movies that I needed to watch recently. Right. So basically, Kane's been reviewing two films every day. I think we might have touched on this um, one of the last episodes we recorded. Two episodes every day for the whole of December. Two episodes. Fuck, sorry. Two reviews, reviews every day for the whole of December. I, um, and with the stuff I do for filming, possibly three on certain days. Oh, but yes. Right. So last week when we were discussing. What movies should we do? Do we have time to do another episode? And how can we make this happen? And then I thought, oh, well, if we just do two movies that you're already going to do. So for the first time ever in the history of movies with Kane and Tyle, we're going to do two movies which are completely unrelated. And I'm going to bet my bottom dollar that we actually cannot find anything related about these films. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? I'm gonna, I, I don't think that's too big a uh, statement I, I, to yeah, make. Yeah, I, I'm usually good at drawing right? connections directly yeah. out of my nethers yeah. for whatever movies we review on here, but... Yeah, no. It, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. All right, so we're doing Laundromat, and then we're going to follow that up with Midsummer. And if you know anything about Midsummer, right now you're going, yeah, okay. I totally, yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right, so Laundromat. First you must ask yourself, are you wealthy? Super truth of the world is that most games for someone to win. Well, someone has to lose. <laughs> Think of this as a fairy tale that actually happened. There's confusion over who has to pay. So they drowned Joe and 20 other innocent people. And somebody's making money from it. It all goes back to this law firm, Mossack Fonseca. So what happens next? What do we do next? Was trying to send money. It's a scam that goes from Houston to the West Indies to some bank who knows where. They're getting away with murder. Which is bad. Bad? Yeah, bad is such a big word for being such a small word. I'm on a get your back. Gonna go out on the town. Get your back. How does it all work? 
bribery, corruption, money laundering, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Somebody has to sound the alarm. Shit. Go Let's. Where the fuck is my money? Most of the time, we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, first impressions. Mm, not that fast on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, admittedly, it does make a lot of sense for Soderbergh to make a movie like this about the Panama Papers, about how um, offshore shell companies were basically like ripping off middle class Americans of their insurance premiums and mm-hmm. the bribery and the, mm-hmm. um, the. What what fell short about it for you? Well, it's just, like, it didn't connect as much as it could have. Like, as far as, like, being a comedy drama as in regards mm-hmm, to... Mm-hmm. Um, the comedy didn't work that much for me. And, and most of it comes from uh, Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas um, doing their Breaking the Fourth Wall narration about just the inner workings of the whole thing, mm-hmm. which, I don't know... Maybe it's because this really reminded me a lot of The Big Short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it they go for slightly different takes, but that same sort of, we're going to use comedy to, you know, kind of lower the audience's defences so we can, like, give them all this information, which admittedly is the main intent that Soderbergh and um, writer Scott Z. Burns went into this movie with. They wanted to make a comedy that they could use as, like, a Trojan horse for all this really intensive, like, jargon-filled information in regards to finances and all this other stuff. Oh, wait, I think I've just found a parallel between the two movies. Okay. Well, from that perspective, it's kind of a dark comedy, right? You're talking about pretty hectic stuff and you're making it funny. Oh... Give my thoughts when we actually get to the other movie. Sure. But okay, cool. It, Good, it, no. Like, in regards... And because I read up on it and, you know, discovered that that was the intent behind it... Right, yeah. It... Knowing that that's what they were going for, I kind of feel like Soderbergh, like, missed the mark a little. Mm. Because it... Especially when comparing it to stuff like The Big Short, because The Big Short is just that much more effective as actual comedy. Like, that is, mm. like, really damn funny. I... I really liked it. Like, I really, really liked it. I don't know. I sort of said I didn't like it. I thought it was, okay. I thought it was really, really funny. Because, um, um, like, the stuff that it's saying, especially in regards to its constant referring back to that um, verse from the book of Matthew about, you know, blessed are the meek. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it's like, no, the, the meek are pretty fucked, yeah. quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. We, we saw that's been well and truly yeah. lost along the way. Look, I thought it was an incredibly um, important film. I'm really kind of, um, this past 12 months, I've been constantly surprised with the amount of stuff that's coming out of America that's pointing the finger at generally how corrupt and fucked America is. And y- yes. And, and, like, and Like really, really quite confrontingly surprised that, that this is getting through, like, that this stuff hasn't been censored or, like, people aren't trying to ban well, it. Well, actually, funny you should mention that because 
Alright, so Oldman and Banderas are playing real-life people. The yeah. two people at the head of the law firm behind all this shit. Yep. And they actually tried to get Netflix to take the movie down because, like... I'm not surprised. Oh, it misrepresents us. It's oh, not fair. Oh, fuck off. But, <laughs> oh, and, please. And unsurprisingly Ugh. for Netflix, a platform that has basically given so many stand-up comedians a safe space to complain about how much they hate safe spaces. <laughs> like, it is genuinely weird how many comedy specials are on there that are named stuff like no safe spaces or mm. trigger warning mm-hmm. or snowflakes mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unsurprisingly, they weren't having a bar of that. Oh, sure. And sure. And it's because of, like, what it actually says. Like, removed from, you know, its comedic aspirations... What it actually says in regards to, you know, capitalism in the Western world yeah. and just how much it screws people over, how much, you know, the compromising positions it puts people in, the exploitation that's put into, like, with um, Mel Streep's widow. Mate. And just all of that. Yeah. Like, and what, what really fascinates me about it is because, well... Again, I'm an auteurist. It's how I function when it comes to movies like this, and especially since I love Soderbergh that damn much. But 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 it really fits in with his larger essay because he is very anti-capitalist. Like, even without getting into like High Flying Bird, which is all about you know decentralization and sure. trying to take away you know the seizing the means of production, mm. as it were. Like like he's done heaps of stuff in regards to this. Like he did a two-part um, biopic about Che Guevara years ago. Yep. yep. Um, he was the executive producer behind Citizen Four, the Edward Snowden mm-hmm. documentary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was even the second unit director on the first Hunger Games movie, which is all about mm-hmm. the separations between the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. It makes all kinds of sense that he would make a movie like this. And it's because of that that he has, like, genuine passion and commitment to getting you know, the message right, and it's that that I connect with. I can feel how much he cares about this subject matter. So, yeah. Yes, it it definitely came through. It was... Without sort of beating you over the head with it, I, I just... I came out, I was genuinely, like taken aback and I was genuinely challenged and I was genuinely genuinely kind of shocked even though on some level I understood that this shit happened on some level I knew what had happened with the Panama Papers I knew about that in general watching it in a film like that still was still really kind of confronting and shocking and I and I walked away um a little bit My my emotions are a little bit um all over the place because I was like, wow, I really enjoyed that. It was quite a funny movie, and I was really entertaining. And then I was like, holy shit, the world's fucked. Yeah, and you know, you know, especially because like you you know, and I kind of again on some level I knew that this had happened, but that when they they just open the jail cells and they walk out and they put their suit jackets back on and their little cravats and they walk away and they go, and so we spent three months in prison. Thanks very much. See you later. Bye. Yes, and it's stuff like that that, you know, the somewhat, you know, darker sense of humour, it doesn't always work, mm. but when it works, it's a very much-needed reprieve from how depressing the subject matter is. Exactly. Like with um, the scene with the, um, the affluent um, black family. With um the 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 um the friend of the daughter oh, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. pool just like having her sing star shits. Yeah. 
um, like that 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 is how to put it. It works as well as using Butterfly by Crazy Town in Orange County as, like, the symbol for everything vapid about the area. <laughs> like, it works on the exact same level. And just the whole idea of just, like, you know, you know, your best friend is sleeping with your dad and you're being bribed with all these really expensive shell companies to keep quiet. It's just... Did you feel like... Okay, so there's, there's one... Um, You've just reminded me one part of the movie as a whole that didn't quite work for me is that that bit felt like a movie within a movie. Well, it, I can definitely understand that, but then again, a lot of it is quite like episodic in that it you know it covers a sure. few different characters. Like you've got Meryl Streep and her problems with the insurance company. Yeah. You've got um, that family. You've got. I just felt like that one went on so long, like. For, for just a big long block and there was no kind of bits in between it I forgot that I was watching that other movie about her and, and, and the I never understand that but as far as like showing just how wide sure. the you know the influence is in terms of like how you know what different varieties of meek are getting screwed over by this especially when we get to the next story about another case of mm. infidelity and what happens when you know their own um, reactions to being bribed, which ends a lot worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> s- stuff like that. It really does help nail in just like, not only are the meek screwed, the meek of all, from all walks of life are screwed. So which, who's the meek in the black family? Like what? The daughter? It, it would be the daughter because, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, born into privilege but still in a matter of just, like, you know, being bored off yeah. kind of thing and just, like, you know, overlook my infidelities, you know, overlook my infidelities, overlook my, you know, very, very, very evident flaws mm. as a person mm-hmm. just because I give you money. That's how Hollywood works. Let's <laughs> yeah. admit it. Yeah. Like, the number of, you know... Oh, man. You know, the, the, the amount of, you know, cheating spouses physically abusive spouses who still get work to this day is, you know... Oh, what, ethical what consumption is isn't, just... ca- isn't possible in a capitalist society, and that is one of the main reasons why, because people seem to reward vile behaviour just because people make money. Oh, yeah. You thought Laundromat was, was to the point in hating capitalism. Yeah. Good thing I'm here. <laughs> 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 what would we do without you? Well, you wouldn't have a podcast. Well, that's, true. <laughs> that's 100% true. Okay, so final thoughts? Um, not the best. And admittedly, uh, th- there's also how this one wasn't filmed on iPhones like all the other ones. Right, yeah. this, this uses like standard RED digital cameras, um, w- which admittedly doesn't have the same effect as it did for stuff like Unsane and High Flying Bird. Mm-hmm. But it still feels like Soderbergh, you know, tapping into stuff he cares about. Yeah. And even if not everything he attempted here, you know, worked entirely, it still feels, you know, a good... It feels like an important addition to his artistic canon more than anything else, which, as an auteurist, I'm totally fine with. I... I think it's a really important film, and I think that if you haven't seen it, you should. I hope we haven't given too much away about it. I don't think you really can. It's not like a spoiler film. It's not like it's just something that you to be experienced and to. Is there such a thing as spoilers when a film is directly based on stuff that's actually happened in history? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And even if you know everything about it, 
or you know remember what happened it's it's still worth a watch i think um i would actually wouldn't mind watching it again it's one of those ones that i feel like on a second watching i might understand it because you're right it, it does use a lot of that um there's a lot of jargon goes on there. Try to they try to break it down. They try to make it more simple to understand. But I would actually like to understand more because I kind of feel like that Soderbergh's point is that the average person doesn't understand how this shit works, and that's why we're all so fucked. It, the, the, that was the same point with um, Big Short because yeah. it made the point of saying like all this you know jargon is confusing by design, by design yeah, because it's, it's meant to you know pull absolutely. the wool over the uh, over the eyes of the people who are most detrimentally affected by yeah. it. Yeah, and that's starting to change in business in general. So I don't know if you remember recently a lot of people a lot of big companies have had to change their terms and conditions and stuff so when you sign up to something like airbnb you want to put your property on airbnb there's a list of terms and conditions that goes for like 65 pages and you're supposed to agree to all of that at the end and most of it is illegible to most people and there's a big like it's gone through the court system and stuff and they've all turned around and said you can't do this anymore you can't like go out and specifically set out to confuse people so that you can catch them on a lie later on. And they've all had to reword all their stuff. And that's why you keep getting these. If you're, if you're part of any of those organizations for any reason, over the last 12 months, you would have been getting a whole bunch of, we've updated our terms and conditions. You need to go back oh, yeah, and read them. I, that. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit with them, I should probably double check my iTunes terms and conditions and see if it's still, um, list them as not liable if we use iTunes to create biological or chemical weapons. Yes, yes, I always, um, always <laughs> it's always a stumbling point for me. I'm like, oh no, can I really sign? <laughs> <laughs> just, no one reads these. That's the right? biggest problem. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's move on to Midsummer. Midsummer. Okay, let's play the trailer. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. On. Believable. Welcome and happy midsummer. School. What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> Ooh, I have history with Ari Aster, the guy who made okay, this. Okay, you do. Um, because this is the same, uh, guy who did Hereditary last year. Yes, which I haven't seen, which I know that you really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it, although I really underestimated what Asta was capable of as a storyteller when I first watched it, because okay. when I first watched it, 
it, it was really damn good, but I couldn't, like, get my head around... Are you talking about Hereditary? Yeah, Hereditary. Right. But I couldn't, like, really get my head around what it was ultimately going for. And then, like, through a friend of a friend, I saw um, another YouTuber um, review it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Fears, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, explained it in a way that is, like, mesmerizing. It's... The whole film is essentially... The story, the unreliable narrator story of a mother just tragically being unable to accept that her daughter has transitioned to her son. Right, okay. It's a trans horror story. Wow, I didn't know that. Which, like, initially when I saw that take, I'm like, is that... Really? What this is going for? And then I rewatched it, and I'm like, "Holy shit! It's the only thing that makes sense right, okay. with the whole thing." And interesting. <coughs> interesting. Okay. And, so. and 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 after that, yeah. I'm like, I ain't making the same underestimating mistake with this one. So I went into it all guns blazing. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to bait you this time, revenge. And man. This one isn't nearly as, like, thick to cut through. This mm-hmm. this didn't really require me another, like, separate take for me to really wrap my head around it because it's... Well, I won't say it's all that, you know, straightforward, but it is, um, by the director's own admission, it is a case of bait and switch because the whole thing started with Ari bait being... Bait and switch? Yeah. Okay, yep. Um, Ari being... Um, approached by a, um, a Swedish film producer mm-hmm. for the idea of making a slasher movie mm-hmm. set in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And he initially rejected it because he didn't know what to do with it, but then he wrote his own story with that as the mm. coat, the, the coating to okay. it, as it were. Mm-hmm. And watching the movie, you can definitely get the sense that this is kind of the typical slasher movie because it involves like a bunch of... American students <laughs> go... Just, just need to just say that. A bunch of American students. Here, a slasher movie. <laughs> yeah, there's just like... It's a very specific kind of slasher movie I like to call the ugly American travelogue. Yeah. The kind of movie where it's a bunch of American tourists who go to some, like, secluded community in, like, a European country and get killed off one by one by the locals. And and I when I was reading the thing, the word hapless came up a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, admittedly, there is a certain xenophobic undercurrent to that because it's well, it's the same mentality that goes into stuff like Hostel, which mm-hmm. is quite racist in its own way. You know, because it, you know, it's, you know, they're idiots. Supposed to be racist, yeah, Eli. You're not that smart, right? Yeah. But with this, it makes a lot more sense because how to put it. Literally pissing on what they believe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Um, all I'd read that it was a horror film about some hapless American tourists and I was like, okay, fuck, because I hate horror films. Um, so I went into it kind of anxious uh, and that's always a good way to start a film. <laughs> Especially a horror film. You're right. And uh, so first thing, I just want to point out that not all people with bipolar are homicidal, suicidal maniacs. That was my first thing. I was like, oh, 
Being a fucking suicidal, homicidal, check bipolar. Fine, great. That's excellent. That's just what we need. No, I'm just kidding. Um, then I next bit. I'm like these conversations between um, Danny and her boyfriend. Yeah. Are so like. They made me feel sick. Like, it's really, yeah. really, really touched a raw nerve there of being in a, in a, in a not a very nice relationship and um, all the stuff that she was doing in the beginning where she was, like, ringing her girlfriend and being like, oh, you know, I think he wants to break up with me and all that kind of stuff. Like, it was there was so much of that early 20s, like awkward relationships and just stuff that rang so true. I was like, I don't know how they managed to nail this it, so well. It, it's just, and that is what the movie is about. Yeah. It's a breakup movie. Yeah, it's a totally a breakup movie. It's a Wicker toxic Man relationship. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As And that's what really, like, impressed me about this, whole, about this whole thing. Because, like, as, as fucking marvellous as, like, the pagan aesthetic is on this thing, how it looks, how it sounds, how it feels... The visual and audio distortions oh, when, oh. like, the people are, like, tripping on mushrooms yeah. and, like, spiked tea. Like, that is genuinely unnerving shit to look at. Seriously. But, but the way that it not only showed, like, a toxic relationship between Danny and Christian, but also just the trauma that Danny went through. Mm-hmm. Like, this might be one of the most impactful, like, um, depictions of trauma and grief and just being triggered in the actual clinical sense, not just the uh, uh, snowflake sense. Hashtag triggered, yeah. Yeah. No, No, this is like like Florence Pugh. I had no fucking idea you were this good. She was insanely good. And I don't... There's a whole bunch of things that could have really gone either way in this movie and if they hadn't nailed it so well it wouldn't have worked as well as it did I mean her performance was pivotal in this like if she hadn't pulled that off it could have seemed almost parts of it comical because you know what I mean yeah it easily could have fallen into that yeah it's really stretching the kind of boundaries there but she's she's so so believable in this I could feel her her pain, not over only losing her family, but being in this horrible, toxic relationship. Because she's those... worried, because she's afraid to lose anyone else. Because right. well, and those moments where that just that look on her face, where you can see she's turning things over in her head, and you can see that she just wants to say something, and she's so ready to say something, and then she kind of tries to, and he does that whole passive, fucking aggressive thing back to her. And then puts it back on her, making her look like the bitch. So she starts backing off again and going, yeah. oh, "Okay." And it's it's so excruciating to watch because it's so realistic. It, it, the it, moment where they get there and they're all like, "Let's drop a mushroom," and she's like, "Hey, I just really like to find my footing." And getting pressured into right? it. And I'm so sorry, but that's such a fucking reasonable request. Yeah. You've just gotten off a flight. You've driven four and a half hours. Your family's dead. Can I? minute to fucking work out where I am before I drop a fucking mushroom like no no oh and then she's made to look like the party pooper so she goes oh okay I'll just you know and and I mean that was just the beginning of the fucking it's just, I, I, I have to admit I am starting to see your point in regards to the dark comedy thing just from that right my family's dead can I process this first please <laughs> give me one minute and, 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 and admittedly Ariasta really has a thing for really 
fucked up family dynamics. Like, with Hereditary, it's the mother who is so unaccepting of, you know, having a trans child that the actual idea of a demonic cult is more believable for her. And then there's the strange thing about the Johnsons, which... Might be one of the best PSAs for proper sex education I've ever seen, if only because it means that we'll have less horrifically abusive incestual relationships. Whoa, okay. Yeah. This guy knows his fucked up catharsis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, by comparison, all of this stuff seems tame right. by comparison. Well, but okay, I'm going to steer clear then. At the same time... It really um, fits in with his idea that, well, from what I can tell from stuff like Hereditary, Mm -hmm. that there's a certain, like, need for, you know, overcoming, you know, personal problems through the most fucked up way possible. Because uh, um, did you notice how many shots involving mirrors were in this thing? Yes. As in this character needs to reflect on themselves a Absolutely. bit more and realise what they're going through. And uh, also... The symbolism in the film is, is beautiful. Y- yeah. Uh, from that all the way through to all the actual physical symbols that are y- presented. Y- yes, the- and the, the the magic spell potion. Yep. Just... I never thought I'd see something from a Family Guy episode and go, like, you drank my hair. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, I kind of get that. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's yeah, like, that sounds about right. He goes, doesn't he? his reaction to that. He, she goes, he goes, or oh, her reaction. He goes, I think I ate her pubic hair. She's, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> just, and I was like, that's what I mean about it being a bit of a dark comedy. There were times when I actually laughed out loud. I'll admit there are bits of that, but again, in regards to the pagan cult and how, in the end, they're not really the bad guys because, well, again, between the you know, pissing on their sacred tree, the not respecting of their wishes. Like, we Taking want to... photographs of their... Y- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same thing with The Wicker Man, which this is definitely influenced Channel, by in regards yeah. to how the main, like, problems that the, you know, the mains go through is simply because they won't respect customs that aren't their own. Well, this is... Th- thank you. I needed a segue into um, something that I was thinking a lot about through the film. Um... And I was talking to a fellow film reviewer on Instagram recently and she was bringing up um, one of those old movies. I think it was set in the Amazon and it was the whole, like... um, She said it was just... It's just so racist, the whole cauldron, a cannibal thing and cooking the... uh, Do you know what I mean? I I, I think I know what this movie is. Yeah, and she goes, thank God we don't make these horrible racist... Um, tribal movies anymore. They do. In, but um, <laughs> I think she meant as bad as as kind of obvious as this one. Like it was, it's right. just. And I remember the movie as well. I've seen it a long time ago. It's a really, really old, um, really early eighties film, I think. Anyway, Midsummer is almost like a reverse um, version of one of those films in that. The Swedish are white, so there's this whole, like, it almost feels like, for the Americans, this should be a comparable culture to us. I think they were really surprised about how different it was. And then you've got this black guy. He's the anthropologist going in. So there's been this history throughout times, throughout 
the beginning of colonialization where white people have gone into traditional societies, stolen all their cultural intellectual property, which is a real thing, used it to make money for themselves, like going back to America or going back yeah. to England, written books, made documentaries, written, you know, scholarly articles and stuff, lectured on it and made money out of the intellectual cultural property of another civilization and here we have this black american guy going over to sweden to do his thesis in anthropology on this very very white culture which i think he was kind of expecting was going to be you know not as crazy as it ended up being and being pulled into this whole thing that almost felt like an amazonian tribal do you know what i mean yeah, like do you know what i'm sort of getting at i'm not explaining I, I, it very well actually that is the case especially since that idea of you know white man coming in and you know taking over everything in their culture is at the heart of a lot of those amazon cannibal movies like yep. the idea of like okay you're going to come in here and cannibalize our culture we're, we're going to liter- we're going to literally cannibalize <laughs> you in response <laughs> And, just, and that's one of the reasons why, like, stuff like Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, and, hell, even Eli Roth's Green Inferno, I have some respect for because they stay, you know, they stay to that, mm-hmm. you know, anti-colonialist um, tradition, which yeah. I actually do like quite a bit, especially with the way it is realized. Yeah. And there is definitely bits of that in here, especially when it gets into what the... The, um, the the pagan cult actually believes like, yeah. like aside from um, the stuff to do with love potions or the inbred oracle or the blood yeah. eagle scene yes. that is easily one of the coolest practical effects I've seen all year yeah. the blood eagle I just fucking hell I don't even care if it's historically accurate or not that was so fucking cool to see well what I read was that um, <coughs> this is not one um, culture or community. They, I think, they drew from from a few different types of pagan Sounds about right, throughout yeah. history and just mashed it all together into the craziest shit they could possibly. Come yeah, up with. And, and, and and like the key thing that I picked up from them was their approach to life and death. Yes. Seeing you know, death is a natural part of life. You yep. know, reborn into the earth. You know, becoming one with nature. Yep. And in a thematic sense that does fit in with a breakup story because a separation is the end of a shared life together yeah and and the whole thing's coming to terms with you know some you know things must end and that's why the ending shot is so goddamn powerful because just florence going from you know just like being sad oh my god i'm actually seeing this to realizing wait I'm free. This is exactly what I need. I'm free. Yay. Yeah. It's one of the few times where I can think bur- burning someone alive is the happy ending. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just, and again, another Wicker Man comparison. Yeah. It's the same, especially with the way that the, um, the big yellow triangle building in the background mm-hmm. is set up and it's just, yeah, it, it's like as soon as I was brought up, I'm like... Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's just like it has to end that way, and just it's really um, the other thing I found really interesting visually about it was, and this is because you think dark comedy and or Nordic noir, which has been a huge thing over the last five years or so, um, and Nordic noir meaning like Scandinavian dark TV shows or movies, and this kind of could fit into that 
category if you just looked at the script, but when you look at visually, it is so goddamn bright and colourful. It, 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 it gives it this surreal aspect to it. Of this, this, everything about it is so dark, and you're watching this brightly coloured, just sheer daylight in your face the whole time they have three hours of semi-darkness through the thing and so when they're sitting down to eat every single time I was like well is this breakfast lunch or dinner I don't know what the fuck time of day it is yes and while that disorientation is definitely part of the appeal in terms of just like we we don't even know what time it is it's also definitely the mark of a great filmmaker when they're able to take something that is so bright and colourful and make it feel like you're watching a Death March. Thank you. It's like the same thing with, um, what was it, These Final Hours, this um, Aussie film that came out um, like five, six years ago, all about the end of the world, like the sun was going to just burn everything. And even though it's all like very, you know, bright, very sunny, it looks like the end of the world. And this honestly has the same kind of effect because for as you know, bright, as vibrant, as, you know, big and open, as trippy, literally, as a lot of the visuals can get, like, just when, you know, like, the flowers start growing and shrinking sporadically, the eyes go wonky. It's just, it's just, it's it's rather subtle compared to other things. very subtle. But it's all more unnerving because of it, because it's the kind of thing where, like, if you look in the background, you see, like, the trees that are perfectly stationary just, like, swirling slightly. It's just, like, it's the kind of thing that, like, I can definitely see would reward repeat viewings. I can totally get that. If you could bear watching this once, because again, the abuse side of things, the effects of trauma side of things, very tough to watch. Very tough to watch. And that's not even including the gore, the outright gore. The outright gore, like the um, the leather face moment. Everything. Just the, oh, hey, oh, no, it's not him. You're just wearing his face. Face. Okay, then. And, 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 and I keep coming back to this, but just seriously, like, the Blood Eagle scene. Because actually, like, I actually, like, once I saw that and saw there was an actual, like, specific term for it, I looked it up and just, like, the whole procedure for it, just, like, splitting the back open, taking out the rib, uh, taking out the ribs, and then pulling the lungs out through the back, so, like, wings. It's just... it, it, it gives new meaning to the whole, the is it the flayed in the, in, um... That's what they used to do in medieval yeah. times. The flayed man was the same sort of um, yeah, opening. Is, I have to admit, part of me does kind of want to um, grab a, grab my um, video editor and put I Believe I Can Fly over it. Oh, my God. If only because if there's one thing that could make the image of a blood eagle more disturbing, it's R. fucking Kelly. <laughs> oh, my God. Just so disturbed right now. How to put it? In the words of Shuffle T from Versus, when you piss on a girl, you piss off a girl. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, (laughs) that was that that was a particularly weird um, diversion, even for me. But yeah, Midsummer. 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 No, no, it's cool. I love it. Um, Yeah, I. Another one of those times when I went into a film genuinely thinking I was going to be dragging myself through it um, unwillingly and kind of just getting to the end. And then about 20 minutes in, 
I was like, okay. And then like 20 minutes from the end, I was like, this was just so good. And then the final bit, and I was like, okay, fuck, wow. You just um, it, totally... It, it, it's, it's just, yeah, it is fucking phenomenal. I don't know if I'd consider this to be as good as Hereditary, but if only because Hereditary is such a unique experience in regards to, like, its subject matter, the way it Mm -hmm. portrays it. Like, as far as actually, like, depicting the trans experience, Mm -hmm. like, as a cis male, admittedly, who's saying this, Mm -hmm. there really isn't anything else like it. And yet with... Midsummer, even though there are like comparison points to stuff like Wicker Man, mm-hmm. the original, not the meme tastic Nick Cage version, which is fun also, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> um, that the whole like folk pagan horror aspect of the thing isn't that common either. It's a very rare no. breed of horror movie. And I wanted to ask you: so, what is the definition of a horror film? Um. I'm not actually capable of no. giving a proper answer. There. So, okay, well, my, the reason I'm asking is because... So, well, 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 this has been nominated for a couple of awards, right? Like, um, I don't pay attention to awards ceremonies. I've just seen it come up on Twitter. So I think, I think there are a few nominations in there. And my reason for asking is Silence of the Lambs is touted as the only horror film that's ever won an Academy Award. But... To me, Silence of the Lambs is not a horror film. I find that more of like a psychological slash serial killer thriller. And I kind of find this in the same... I, I, I can definitely understand that, but, well, bear in mind, A, um, the definition differences between horror and thriller are a little blurry, right. admittedly. Okay. And then there's also the fact that most um, awards organisations are incredibly snobbish when it comes to genre like, how to put it, when Get Out was nominated, it was listed as a comedy. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, no, I, I still don't know how in the fuck that's supposed <laughs> to be a comedy. It's one of the most disturbing things yeah, in the yeah. last several years. Yeah, I yeah, know, I was just wondering, because I thought if this does win, this is, to me, this is more of a horror film than Silence of the Lambs was. Oh, I yeah, still, definitely. But I still wouldn't kind of consider this what I would consider a traditional horror film, uh, if that uh, makes sense. Uh, I do kind of get that, but... I guess in terms... But I don't even know what a traditional horror film is. Uh, well, well uh, like, my understanding with most genre labels mm. isn't so much, like, being able to properly define them as much as, like... It's a bit like pornography. I know it when I see it kind of thing. <laughs> oh, fuck me, And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we discussed this before. You're a married woman. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> but in terms of horror, because of the way that Midsummer is structured, like... Uh, you know, a slasher movie. It's basically like like Jason goes to Sweden yeah. in its own way. Yeah, okay. And, and with all the, you know, the very trippy psychedelic visuals, mm. the very gory, like, mm. death scenes very. and, like, the very macabre imagery, like, with the blood eagle and yeah. the face mask yeah. and all... And, like, the very foreboding almost oppressive atmosphere that everything generates where it's like like the camera work the very long takes that are being done the music that sounds like a cross between like these really deep throbbing bass lines and Mm -hmm. uh, you know electronic music with traditional folk music Mm -hmm. and just the very abrupt and kind of jarring editing like Mm -hmm. every single cut like 
It's like you've actually been cut. Mm. It, like it's just like bang. Yeah. All of that like layers on top of itself, uh, on top of each other, to create this like overwhelming, intoxicating effect. It's like it's lulling you into being scared. Yeah. And it's because of all of that. But that see, I find that psychological. Like there was because it's more. Well, 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 psycho horror is a thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the psychological stuff is. Honestly, that's the bit where I can understand the skepticism in regards to this being a horror movie because a lot of the psychological stuff, the really big stuff, isn't even anything to do with the pagan horror side of things. It's all to do with, like, family relationships and interpersonal relationships and toxic relationships. It's like a breakup movie for, you know, people who watch... I don't know, a Serbian film for a good laugh. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's, it, it's made for the subversive crowd in mind. It's like, totally. while everyone else would go and watch stuff, something like Marriage Story, like, the weirdos like me would go and watch yeah, Midsummer. Yeah, okay, if you, get, if, you, yep, yep, if you want you get your relationship yeah. breakup fix, it, it, sure. It's just, and... It, and, and on that point, the, the most heart-wrenching part for me... Um, on, in terms of that whole thing, um, when they tell Connie that her boyfriend's gotten on the truck and left without her, mm-hmm. and Connie, you know, runs away very upset, and then Danny, for like for like twenty minutes of the film, just can't let this go, keeps asking everybody, why would he leave her? Like like she's she fixates on that yeah. so much because. And you finally get to it. 20 minutes later, she turns to him and just mutters almost under her breath, I could see you doing something like that to her boyfriend. And you just go, oh, Danny, you're nearly there. You're nearly there. You're yeah. finally, it's, finally, it's just, like, and you're, you're championing her. And, 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 it's just, and it's really interesting to see, like, um, especially, like, Christian's reactions. Like, yeah. as soon as, like, yeah. his friends just start disappearing and it's like we're trying to steal stuff, Notice how quickly he immediately just cuts any connection he has with it. It's like, as soon as the relationship stops being convenient for him, (laughs) he'll just abandon it entirely, which makes the fact that he's still with Danny that much more fucked up in its own way. It's just... Yeah. He's a he's a he's a, a douchebag of epic epic proportions. I heard someone describe this as a like a um actually it might have actually been the guy, the director, he, uh, a horror version of The Wizard of Oz. Um, that was his kind of thing. So he was like, there's even the yellow path of petals that she walks on. Like, <laughs> like she's Dorothy and they're the Tin Man, the, like her three male companions are the Tin Man, the Scarecrow and the... No brains, Lion. no heart, no courage, which, yeah. again, definitely... Right. Holy shit, that actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And especially since, like, in terms of, like, Wizard of Oz, like, Midsummer wouldn't even be the weirdest thing that's taking inspiration from that movie. Like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, like, Mulholland Drive and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. So, so I thought that was wow. Pretty, that was that's, pretty cool. Yeah. You know, usually I'm the one that comes up with the, with the <laughs> paradigm shifting thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I can totally see that working. Yeah. And, you know, and the and the the witches and stuff like in in the Wizard of Oz, that's all very paganistic. Yeah, you know, stuff definitely. as well. So you've got a whole lot of parallels there. But I also, before I knew that, um, I actually the first thing that came to my mind was kind of also um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type stuff, like the whole everyone meets their untimely end due to their own 
failings as a person. Yeah, I can definitely you see know, that, that kind of um, thing. And then she's kind of Charlie, you know, yeah. who gets gets to the end and finally like wins the competition. Do you know what I mean? Like she wins. Don't forget what happened to the man who got everything he always wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can totally you know I mean? see that. So yeah. Anyway, there you go. They are Interesting. My, um, just, and how to put it. Even if, like, everything that you've added in regards to, you know, Wizard of Oz, John, mm. Chocolate Factory, and me and my, you know, all, you know, separation is the end of life. a life that yeah. two people share, even if, even if all of that is just bullshit that we're pulling out of our asses, I'm yeah. not saying it is, but if, it, if that's how it comes across, bit. none of that can take away from how fucking phenomenal this is just as a movie. Yeah. Like, this is, a, this is another one that we've talked about on here where, no question, easiest decision of my life, this is one of the best things of the year. Undoubted. And I am itching for the chance to see the director's cut. Yeah, right. Well, I am just going to put it out there and say, if you can make a horror film that I enjoy, <laughs> that's no mean feat. Yeah, <laughs> right? definitely. Because I, I just generally, like I said, I genuinely have to sort of drag myself through these things. And I actually found myself not not only, like, relaxing, but really, really enjoying it. And and when I got to the end, I was like, fuck, that was a good movie on Re- so many levels. Really damn even, good. Like, yeah. I, in fact, I was worried to come and talk about it because I was like, I don't know if I can express in a way that gets across to the listeners why it's so good and and because I'm not as as experienced in talking about movies as you are but yeah I, I fuck what a great film that's all I can say absolutely <laughs> everyone listening definitely go check out midsummer definitely go check out hereditary yeah and if you're now. feeling in the mood for stuff that's even more messed up than either of those movies, maybe check out The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, although no, just be, be prepared. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. All right, well, there we go. We are done for another episode. Oh, ow. <laughs> well, that actually hurt me a bit. Oh. <laughs> Revenge. Exactly. And there we go. Last episode for the year. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that one and we will be back next year. Bye for now.